It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Welcome into the program. Hope that your morning is starting off well, although it's a little chilly and it'll be a little cold today. That's all right. Stay in bed a little bit longer if you can. Stay warm under those covers or stay in the house where you probably have turned the heat on, even if you were trying not to turn it on this month. If you're trying to do no heat November, eh, I think the last couple of days certainly made that a lot more difficult for some people. I was trying yesterday when I because I actually, you know, had to go home and work from home because if you remember, I had a dead car battery and had to go back and get it jumped. Uh, and I am going to get a charger pack. I decided it's just so much easier than trying to wake somebody up at this time in the morning, knock on the neighbor's door. Hey, can you give me a jump? What? I'm sleeping. Uh, but I was trying to, you know, do some work from home and I said, I'm not going to turn on the heat. I can make it through the day. I'll have to turn it on this evening, but I can make it through the day. And I had on a couple of layers and finally my fingers just got cold as I was trying to type. And I said, I got to do it. Got to turn it on. But it's still the time of year where you can do it in, in brief spurts rather than have to leave it on constantly, which is, which is helpful when you get that bill in December. When you're trying to wrap up your holiday shopping and you got the November bill and you say, well, good thing I only had to turn it on those last couple of days. So uh, yesterday we were talking about the connection because yesterday was the 250th anniversary of the Dartmouth, the T-ship, the first T-ship that arrived in Boston Harbor in what led to the Boston Tea Party. And we're going to be talking more about the Boston Tea Party tomorrow uh, with Kristen Harris from the Boston Tea Party Museum. She is the research coordinator over there at the museum. And we're going to be talking with her about not only the Tea Party itself, but the museum, the exhibits that the museum has, and the celebrations that are going to be going on on December 16th for the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. But yesterday was the anniversary of the Dartmouth arriving in Boston Harbor with, uh, I believe it was 114 crates of tea. And... That was the impetus that led to the Boston Tea Party. So basically when that ship pulled in, there was a lot that had been going on between the colonists and British Parliament where they had to pay duty on that tax. And there was all kinds of things. It's it's been portrayed, and we can talk more about this with uh, Kristen tomorrow, who knows the history better. But it's been portrayed over the years as You know, the colonists were just fed up with having to pay these exorbitant taxes on things that were not directly affecting them or or for things that weren't directly affecting them. So, you know, they're paying taxes on 
necessary goods to support what was going on back in Britain when they were saying, we're disconnected from Britain. We should be able to just tax ourselves. And Britain said, no, 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 we spend a lot of money protecting you over here. That's why we need that tax revenue. So that's part of the, the whole scenario, but they talk about how it was, you know, taxation without representation that was the final straw. Well, you know, the, the, the rally cry, I should say. And the, um, the real history might be a little bit different. We'll, we'll see how much Kristen sides with the idea of, see, what had happened was as they were taxing this tea, the colonists started getting their tea from the Dutch instead. And then the British government passed a law that said, you can only buy tea from us, from, from companies that we approve. And not from foreign countries. And so then they started import. the colonists started bootlegging tea, bringing it in illegally. And some of the folks who were leading the charge for the Boston Tea Party, including Samuel Adams, were bootlegging this tea. And so they had an economic interest in making sure that the, the eventually three ships at Griffin's Wharf didn't have its cargo taken off. So there's all kinds of nuance to it. And there, the other thing that history kind of portrays that I found is not necessarily the truth is that this was a touchstone for the revolution, the American Tea Party. That's, that's the way it's been portrayed to us over the years, right? When you read your history books. Well, as it turns out, a lot of the colonists didn't support what had happened with the Boston Tea Party. They thought that it went too far, that it was too rebellious. But what they were upset about was Britain's response to the Boston Tea Party, which were called the Intolerable Acts. That's when they started to say, okay, this is getting to be too much. We need to just rule ourselves here. So again, we can get into some of that tomorrow with Kristen, but this is all stuff I was reading about yesterday as I was putting together an article I have at WBSM.com and on the app on New Bedford's connection to the Boston Tea Party. If you're unfamiliar with it, and I was, I, I had no idea. I'm sure at some point I read, you know, the names of the ships and it might have, I mean, I, I don't even know if I read about the Boston Tea Party at a time when I was already like down here on the South Coast, probably in AP history, maybe. But there was, you know, one of the ships was the Dartmouth and it was built in New Bedford. But I didn't realize it was the first ship built in New Bedford and that they have a plaque down on the waterfront at the building where it was commissioned. And that it was the Roach family and how connected it all was with the future of New Bedford. So it was very interesting finding out all that information and I wrote an article about it. You can check it out at WBSM.com and on the app uh, because yesterday was the 250th anniversary of the Dartmouth arriving with the tea on board, the first of the three tea ships that were boarded, I guess. I was going to say attacked, but it wasn't really attacked, but the, that were boarded and had their tea dumped into the harbor as part of the Boston Tea Party, which was also something that was not a name for it until many years later. 
when a newspaper referred to it as that. But it was very interesting to read about how connected New Bedford was. I mean, not a surprise when you think about it, but it is in a way when you say, well, wow, that was the first ship that was built here. And even then, Bedford, as it was known, was a whaling port. Not as big as Nantucket at the time, but it was a big whaling port. Well, read it if you are interested, but certainly we'll talk more about the Tea Party tomorrow. And, uh, and if you can get out there to the 250th celebration, that'll be on December 16th on the anniversary itself at Griffin's Wharf in Boston, which I also found out yesterday is they're not really sure that that's necessarily where the real Griffin's Wharf was. A lot of what they have recreated is a best-guess scenario. The two ships that they have there, the Beaver and the Eleanor, those are actually retrofitted existing ships that they kind of refurbished to look like what they think the Eleanor and the, and the Beaver might have looked like. But they are building a replica of the Dartmouth that they had actually hoped to have ready for this celebration, but it, COVID put a kink in those plans and they'll probably pick it up after this year is over. But they're working on a replica of the Dartmouth that would be completely built from the ground up. So it would be all built from scratch in the same way that they would have built it back in 1767, which I think will be a fascinating thing to to see the progress of. But even the two ships that they have now, you know, there's there's connections to the South Coast. One was redone using wood planks from a, an old factory in Fall River. And brass sheets that were from Revere Copper and Brass. So there's a South Coast connection to those replicas too. Very, I found it to be very interesting. I hope you do as well. But if not, you don't have to read it. You heard also Ariel gave the new details that emerged in that story of the fatal shooting in Wareham where it was the son of the victim who lived with him. And from what I was reading some of the Wareham Week reporting. They went out and they talked to neighbors and, and, and people in the neighborhood and said, you know, there had and, and there had been problems in the past between the father and the son. The son claimed that the father was abusive toward him, even though he's an adult and a, and a grown man, that the father was still abusive toward him. That even, yes, even the day that it happened, Monday the father had made a threat toward him. And so in response to that threat, he went and got the gun. That's what he told the authorities. The authorities are questioning why he already had the gun, which had an obliterated serial number and had been purchased off a website online. Why did he already have the gun in a bag on the porch, on the deck? 
And he claimed it's because it was the, the bag that he kept his marijuana in and that his father would complain about it. So he kept it outside. He put it outside so his father wouldn't smell it. But that also allowed him to have the gun nearby to be able to go and get it to allegedly shoot his father with it. Now, he's pled not guilty, yet he admitted to shooting his father. So I don't know, you know, if he's claiming self-defense. But he did feel like he had been threatened. But it sounds like there was a lot of issues going on there over the years, just based on, you know, the reporting that I was reading. So we'll keep following that and getting more information as that emerges. There's also a couple of other local topics that I think we can discuss this morning. One is New Bedford Lights report about the transit-oriented districts and the idea that there would be a need for less parking in those areas. We've covered this a little bit because it came up before the Zoning Board of Appeals. But the issue here is the developers that are trying to build housing in these districts, which would be around the new train stations. The developers are trying to say, well, because of that, because these are people who will be utilizing South Coast Rail, they are people who are used to utilizing public transportation. They don't have as many cars. They don't need cars. So we don't need as many parking spaces. And I believe if I remember the numbers right, one of them was a 20-unit proposed building that would only have 15 parking spaces. So not even a, a space for every person, uh, for every unit. The number that they're putting out is that they would need 0.75 parking spaces per unit. And I don't know how realistic that is in today's society, I would like to see that be the case. Because if you're going to be building housing near this near South Coast Rail, you hope people are utilizing it. And it'd be nice if that was the case, but do you think that's the reality? Or do you think people are going to say they don't have a car and then have a car and then end up taking parking spaces from the neighbors two streets over? And I think that's what has people concerned more than anything. And, and city councilors who are quoted in the story and other officials are basically saying, we don't live in a, in a city where you can have a total dependence on public transportation. I mean, obviously you can if you don't have another option. You can't afford a car, you don't have a license, whatever it may be. But to the people who are moving into these new units who could afford a car have the means to get a car, probably have no restrictions that would keep them from driving a car, why wouldn't they have a car? Especially because we don't have the public transportation infrastructure in the city to get people around from where they have to go. And, and one of the developers is quoted as saying when, when asked about, well, how will people get to the grocery store? He said, oh, well, they'll Uber. They, they're only going to need to go to the grocery store, you know, maybe once a week. They'll just Uber. And that's a, that's a Boston thing that you're trying to apply to New Bedford. 
I, I'm sure in, in Boston there are people who do that all the time. When I was driving an Uber, I had a, a couple that lived at UMass Dartmouth. They were older, but I believe they were students because I dropped them off at the dorm unless they were like RAs or something. But I would drop them off at, at the dorm that's across from the, uh, the athletic center. And so they would go to Walmart, do their shopping, and then take the Uber back. And because they only did it on, you know, as few, as few, as few times as they could, they would get a lot of stuff. And so, you know, you better have an empty trunk because they're filling it with all of their groceries. And it was a pain because they've got to load everything and then you go to drive them over and then they've got to unload everything. And then because it was usually like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night that I'm dropping them off, you know, I'm not just going to unload the bags and take off. Like I want to make sure they get everything inside. And I can't imagine that people want to do that all the time. Now, granted, a lot of people who are going to move into some of these market rate houses and, and have these jobs that require them to go to the city of Boston to work, they could probably afford to have groceries delivered, whether it be Instacart or Peapod or any of those options. So maybe it isn't as big of a deal. But you also don't have all of the, the, the businesses that they need around them, which is part of the, the plan. Is that oh they'll you know they'll be able to walk to the pharmacy they'll be able to walk to a convenience store, but do we have those businesses around them yet? And how quickly do you think that they're going to show up once people move in? So there's a lot of factors involved in this that I I have to agree as much as I you know think it'd be great if people took the train. It'd be great if we could create, I've seen the plans, I've seen what they envision of these TODs. And I think they would be very nice neighborhoods to have, but I just don't know that it's something that can happen in the immediate future. So that's one thing we can talk about. We can also talk about uh, Leon Corey, the Fairhaven selectman who says he will not be running again, or select board member, who says he will not be running again because... He feels that the town of Fairhaven is just too racist. And that's a pretty serious charge to make. So we can talk about all that and more. 508-996-0500. Right now, though, I've got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. So, and I mentioned this morning turning on the heat and having your heat on and trying to warm up your house. And, you know, you never know what little things might be causing your home not to get as warm as it could be. It could be things as simple as, and you're probably going to slap yourself on the forehead right now when you hear me say this, but sometimes, you know, the tops of your windows are open a little bit. You know, as you've been opening the window all summer, all spring, all fall, uh, when you close it, sometimes the little top part comes down a little bit. So you could have it open just a crack, but that could be enough to make it so it doesn't really feel like it's getting warmer. But imagine that same thing happening with your roof. Imagine there being separation of your roof and issues with your roof that are allowing little bits of the heat to, to exit out of your home. So as you're paying all that money to heat your house, it's literally just going out the top of it just going out the window, just going out the roof, whatever it may be. Well, you can avoid that 
stay warm, and save money by reaching out to Precision Window and Kitchen. I know. A window and Kitchen. You're not thinking about roofs, but they've been doing roofs for a long time. They've been doing it with precision. And they can make sure that your roof is 100% to protect your own investment of your home and to protect your family as well. So if you don't know if you need a new roof, well, one idea is if it's been 20 years since you've had your roof worked on or replaced, it's probably time to have some work done on your roof. But also if you see any fading on your roof, if you see any loose shingles, if you see any seams that look like they're separating, anything like that, call Precision Window and Kitchen, have them come down. They will give you a free estimate. In fact, even if you're not sure, give them a call because it's a free, no obligation estimate. Have them come down, inspect your roof, and they can let you know exactly what to expect. You can stop by and talk with them at their showroom at 1111 Acushnet Avenue in New Bedford, or you can visit them online at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. It is time now to go into the newsroom with Ariel Dorsey. 12 more hostages have been released by Hamas as part of an extended ceasefire deal with Israel. Yesterday's swap came after a temporary pause in fighting was extended an additional two days. In exchange, 30 additional Palestinian detainees were released from Israeli prisons. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be buried in her hometown of Plains in South Georgia today. The private service and burial follows a tribute service held yesterday at a church on Emory University's Atlanta campus. All living First Ladies, former President Bill Clinton and President Joe Biden attended the service along with hundreds of mourners. The Pentagon says a U.S. military V-22 Osprey has crashed into the sea off the coast of western Japan with eight people on board. At least one death has been reported with fishermen in the area saying a number of people have been found in the water but their conditions are unknown. Home prices are on the rise for the eighth straight month. The latest S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index shows prices were nearly 4% higher in September compared with the same month a year ago. Prices continue to rise even as 30-year fixed mortgage rates approached 8%. The NYPD is preparing for potential protests during the Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting ceremony tonight. Pro-Palestinian organizers have posted on social media for their supporters to flood the ceremony in support of Gaza. Reports say police have been told to push protesters to the outside of the celebration. Mark Cuban says he's ready to leave Shark Tank. On the Showtime podcast, All the Smoke, Cuban said the next season of the ABC series will be his last. Cuban first guested on Shark Tank in season two and will leave season six. In sports, the Patriots re-signed Will Greyer yesterday after he cleared waivers. He was released from the roster last week to make room for offensive tackle Connor McDermott. This Sunday, the Patriots will host the Chargers. The Celtics have moved on in the NBA in-season tournament following a 124-97 win over the Bulls. Jalen Brown led all scorers with 30 points and 8 rebounds, while Jason Tatum scored 21 of his own. Al Horford was one rebound shy of recording a double-double after scoring 16 points. The Celtics will face the Pacers in the quarterfinals. This week, the team will host the 76ers in regular season action on Friday. 
and a three-time Stanley Cup champion is joining the Red Wings. ESPN reporters Patrick Kane signed a one-year deal worth just under $3 million yesterday. The winger spent the first 16 years of his career with the Blackhawks, where he won three titles. Tomorrow night, Boston will face off against the Sharks at TD Garden. Let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Clear, sunny, and cold for this morning. Around 30 wind chill values in the mid-upper teens. Mostly sunny for this afternoon. Temperatures still well below average in the upper 30s. Feels like in the mid-upper 20s. Overnight tonight, some clouds develop mid-20s. And then tomorrow, temperatures rebound nicely under mostly sunny skies. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full summer-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 W. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. Say, what are you doing tomorrow? Are you heading out to Gillette Stadium to see the Fairhaven Blue Devils in the Super Bowl? I uh, I drove by Fairhaven High Monday afternoon, and I was, it was, what time was it? It was probably like around five or so. 5 o'clock. It was already dark. They had the lights on, but they were out practicing, getting ready. And uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a heck of a game, but it's going to be a really great experience for everybody that gets to go up there. The schools are going to dismiss, or Fairhaven High is going to dismiss early so that everybody can get up there to Gillette because it is a 3 p.m. game, which is not the best time. It's a difficult thing for people to try to get out of work, get out of school, get to Gillette. But it's it's helpful that at least they're letting letting the kids out early. So kickoff is at 3 p.m. And you'll be allowed to enter Gillette Stadium an hour prior to the game. Because it's a whole day of games. There's other games that are going on. So you'll be able to get in an hour before for that particular game. Because they're not, they don't sell tickets to this and have everybody just stay the whole day and watch all the Super Bowl games. You're buying tickets for the for the particular game, and then they clear everybody out and bring everybody in. And tickets are twenty bucks if you are a just a regular person, you know, regular regular standard ticket price twenty bucks. Students fifteen bucks, seniors fifteen dollars. Now keep in mind though, these tickets are not going to be sold at the stadium. So you can't just walk up to the Gillette box office or whatever and say, or, or the, the gate and say, I'd like uh, two tickets like you do at the Dartmouth Stadium. 
you have to order these tickets ahead of time on Ticketmaster. There's no assigned seating. There's So it's just general admission. You sit where you sit. I can tell you from covering 20 years of football games at Gillette Stadium, though, there's not going to be a bad place to sit. I mean, maybe the higher, if you're up on the 300 level, which really there should be no reason for anybody to be up on the 300 level. There's so many seats that you shouldn't have to go up that high. But up there, you might have a little bit of some some cold air to deal with. Although the temperature is not going to be too bad tomorrow. But you'll be able to get a pretty decent view no matter where you sit. Plus, they've got now they've got that new giant screen in the north end zone. There's still big screens all around. You're going to be able to see everything. So I wouldn't worry about not having an assigned seat. But you will have to pay Ticketmaster fees. There are still tickets available. You can get them by going to Ticketmaster.com. And then what you want to do is type in MIAA. And it'll bring you to the MIAA high school football option. And you can select the 3 p.m. game and get your tickets. And don't miss the chance. If you are a high school football fan, even if you're not from Fairhaven, it's always good when we have local representation in these Super Bowls. And it's a great way to get into Gillette Stadium, to see the stadium, to experience everything going on, to be part of the fun, and it's only 20 bucks a person. That's not bad at all. In fact, that might be what the ticket prices are for Patriots games next year, the way things are going. No, you'll, you'll never see that. That waiting list is still, you know, thousands of people deep, even with everything that's been going on. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hey, Tim. What's going on? How you doing? Not bad. So I'm going to jump on the uh, conversation that you started uh, regarding, like, that little community around the, the railroads. Yep, the transit-oriented districts. Yeah. Uh, and whether or not, you know, businesses are going to pop up there. And Listen, Fall River is going to have the same thing. And New Bedford will never get the businesses that Fall River gets. Because I just did a, a quick lookup of the, the tax rate, commercial tax rate, in New Bedford versus Fall River. And it's 20% less. You're paying at a, at a commercial rate in New Bedford $29 and, and change uh, per thousand. Where New, uh, Fall River is at $23. They actually just said it yesterday. So you're, you're looking at a 20% difference. You get the same amount of, uh, you know, return on investment. You get the same type of police coverage, same school system, pretty much the same everything, at a 20% discount. And you're literally 12 miles away from each other, approximately. 12 to 15 miles away from each each municipality. You're still pulling so you're in, the in same market. Yeah, you're still pulling in people from that city as customers, as employees. So yep. it, it doesn't it doesn't really affect you being, you know, that that distance away. Right. New Bedford really needs to to take it upon because the city council is not gonna do it. Um they really need to take it upon themselves and and do a, a proposition two and a half uh under under ride. You can actually do that. Chris actually taught me something. Uh, a, a few months ago, a 
about that. So in the Proposition 2.5 override bill, that law, you are able to actually cut your taxes. And a, a, you know, a little tax foundation, a private tax foundation, uh, can actually look into that along with city councilors uh, under, you know, all, all different studies and, do, you know, do different studies and find out how much can you reduce the size of your municipal budget in order to get your taxes down. Because you really don't have to cut the budget too much because once you start to cut the budget, uh, cut your tax rate, your tax base grows. So eventually your tax, your, your, your tax income for the municipality will grow anyways. Your budget can actually balance out. But right now you're, you're going to compete against Fall River and you're going to lose every single time. And unfortunately, I don't see that changing without the, the like a, a citizen initiative. Yeah, I mean, I think the city's hoping that, you know, things such as the, um, the golf course redevelopment will attract some of these high-end businesses, and then that, that will yeah. in turn att- attract other businesses. But that's, you're looking for a domino effect when people are looking for dollars. Right. I mean, they're looking to, I didn't, I didn't uh, know about the golf, the golf course redevelopment. Is that the one, the Whalen City golf, golf course there? Off of Hathaway Road? Uh, yeah, they're trying to, what they're trying to do is they're trying to turn that into, you know, half of that would become uh, a business park. Okay. So they're going to sell off, because that's city property, correct? So they're going to sell off a portion of that, that golf course. Well, they're looking for somebody in. to come in and develop it and, and build it. Right. And then and then hopefully get like a major anchor company to come in. But when they put out proposals, uh, requests for proposals, they, they didn't get anything back. I have no idea why, Tim. Uh, you know, when you can <laughs> you can go to Fall River and you can pay 20% less in taxes, I don't know why they're not getting any development. The problem is is that you, you have a cost inhibitor right there. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if I have a choice between opening up a business in, in Fall River and a, opening up a business in, in New Bedford, I'm going to Fall River every time. Why would I? What, what advantage, what market access am I getting in, in New Bedford that I'm not getting in, that I'm not going to get in Fall River? I'm, I'm going to actually have more market access because I'm so close to a, a capital city. I'm close to Providence. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to get that, that capital, that, the, the capital traffic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in such pro- close proximity to that major city that I'm not, you know, that's nothing that New Bedford can, can change. Obviously, geographic location is, is an advantage for Fall River, but. You're putting another cost inhibitor in there. I'm never going to open up a business in Fall in in New Bedford versus Fall River. And you know the the whole thing is is that your your rents go up, your leases go up, and and you, it's just you have to have a a citizen initiative. I'm going to keep pushing this. I'll push it with Chris. Get that citizen initiative. Do a proposition two and a half underride, and get your commercial tax now. The city council has actually argue, you know, if we if we lower business tax, we're going to have to raise it on the residential tax. That's your choice as a city councilor. That's your choice. You can actually lower the cost of of your your business tax and keep residential tax lower and cut the budget and find a way to actually develop property in order to offset, you know, that that lower tax rate, increase your tax base. Dartmouth does it. We see it in Dartmouth all the time. Dartmouth somehow finds a way 
to increase their tax base and keep their taxes low. New Bedford's got to learn from it. Let's see if they heed your call. All right, Tim. Have, All right. have a good day. And if you want to call in and chime in, 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Uh, but I think, yeah, when you're looking at, if you're a business looking to come into the area and all things considered, you know, to, to the caller's point, if you're not familiar with all the nuance of Fall River and New Bedford, what do you really see as the big differences between the two? You know, I heard Chris talking about that yesterday too. Like, what is, what is the, what what is the thing that drives you to say I'm going to choose one over the other? I mean, obviously, we we know how much better New Bedford is than Fall River, right? But if you're a business coming in, what are you looking at? You're looking at the bottom line. And and to his point, you're looking at the fact that you're closer to Providence. Look at the, and I know it's not equivalent to a major corporation, but look at the retail cannabis shops that opened up in Fall River and how much business they drew from Rhode Island. While meanwhile, that was a, an industry that New Bedford was a little bit slower to get into because of the moratorium it had placed. We can argue whether or not you think that was the right thing to do. I think they avoided a lot of the pitfalls that Fall River fell into with some of the things that were going on with Jaisal Correa. But you look at the, the, just that as how many people wanted to cross that border to come in for that business. So it's not, it's not a far drive. If you lived, what's the difference between Providence and, and Fall River? Less than 20 miles? If you were a menthol cigarette smoker, wouldn't you drive the 20 miles to get your menthol cigarettes? If you live 20 miles from the New Hampshire border, wouldn't you go 20 miles to go buy your your liquor and your cigarettes and everything else you can save the tax dollars on? Do you not drive into Rhode Island to get your fireworks? I know you're not supposed to, but I know that you do. So do you think it'd really be a big deal for somebody to want to drive 20 minutes to come to work every day? So that's a major draw, yes. But you can offset that with some financial incentives. Anyway, I've got to take a break. We're running late for it. We'll be back in just a few moments.
still one of the creepiest music videos ever. The uh, not even just the the faces distorting of the people in the videos. It's some of the scenarios that they're depicting. Like you get just so distracted by the special effects that, uh, which by the way, today look super cheesy. But back then we were like, whoa. But just some of the um, situations they're portraying in the video and like saying, hey, this is the stuff that your neighbors, this, these are the kind of people that you're, you're living amongst. These people who have this black hole sun over them, I guess. I don't know. Soundgarden was really good at creating these little worlds within their songs, I thought. Anyway, 508-996-0500, that is the number to call in and chime in. Uh, we found out yesterday that we have some new comedy tickets to give away. And I'm going to have some more information for that for you at the end of the week. Just I can't announce anything yet. But the... Um, the comedian is coming to TD Garden. So that just shows you it's it's one of the big comedians, one of the most popular comedians out there today. And uh, we're going to have tickets to give to you. You'll be able to enter to win a pair of tickets to go to TD Garden to see a comedy show, which I've never done. I've never seen a comedy show at the Garden. Seen a lot of other events there, but never one of those. All right, we got to take our final break of the hour. Uh, we will be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. All right, well, that's going to do it for this hour. When we come back on the other side of the news, more of your calls, 508-996-0500, as well as your app chat messages, your open line voicemails. And uh, we'll talk some more, too, about some of those big stories of the day. The well, the parking situation with these TODs that are coming into the city. Uh, we'll get more into Leon.